This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the High Stakes Lowdown of Rotoviz Podcast, brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Bob Riley, an FFPC veteran who is a former main event and football guys players championship league winner. In this episode, we talk about what backup running back he is loading up on on his teams as a potential league winner, what to do with the Rams running backs in your lineups, and much more. Riley's career winnings in the FFPC total nearly $30,000. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. All one word, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off, zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Now, without further ado, here is $30,000 high-stakes fantasy football winner, Bob Riley. This week on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown, a longtime FFPC veteran of not only fantasy football, but of FFPC fantasy football podcasts from the 
HSFF Hour from the High Stakes Lowdown. Welcome back, Bob Riley. Balky, how you doing? Thanks for having me again. It's uh, exciting to talk to you, obviously. It's exciting to, as we're already in week five or coming up on week five of of the NFL season. And, um, you know, it, the, the injuries were were not good this week, but they weren't the, you know, in, injury apocalypse we had in, in week two or whatever it was. <laughs> so let's, let's talk Chargers here uh, to kick things off. Austin Eckler is now on injured reserve. How high would you rank Josh Kelly on your running backs list while he's out as far as how, you know, how likely you are to start Kelly? Yeah, I'll say he's going to eke out low-end RB2 performance, in my opinion, based in mainly on opportunity and volume as the next man up. So I, I think that means probably relative to the way other people see it, I think he's going to disappoint a little bit. Um, he's not on uh, So to think he's simply going to come in and replicate Eckler's production – I think is setting up people for disappointment. Um, certainly he has all the measurables. He's got your prototypical running back size. He's got good speed and quickness, but he doesn't catch the ball as well as Eckler. He doesn't have good instincts and he had good, but not great stats in a running back friendly offense under Chip Kelly at UCLA. So, so I don't think he's going to come in and set the world on fire. Not to mention Justin Jackson is still there. Now he isn't great either. I'm not advocating for him. But I could see the Chargers also maybe jumping out and signing a stopgap free agent as, you know, sort of a third back to mix in, um, you know, maybe like a Lamar Miller or um, maybe a Spencer Ware or someone like that. Or even making an under the radar trade for some talented running back buried on a depth chart, like one of the Rams guys, one of the Seahawks guys, one of the Ravens guys. So I think he'll be there based on volume and, and, and all of that. But but I don't think that he is a, a, a stud back. What about Justin Jackson? I mean, obviously you want to roster him if you can right now since, you know, he's one play away from being the starter. Is he flex-worthy right now with with Kelly ahead of him, or would you be staying away from that? I personally would stay away from that because I think, you know, what you had going to this point was sort of a tandem with Eckler and Kelly, and they had complementary skills. I don't think as much Kelly and Jackson have the complementary skills, so I do think Kelly's going to get a larger share of the pie um, then, you know, perhaps had been sort of the one-two combination so far. Uh, but again, I, ju I just don't think that the same production is going to be there. So I personally would not advocate for Jackson. Um, so far, Kenyon Drake has largely disappointed fantasy owners. Um, you think we're going to see Chase Edmonds given a bona fide shot at, at supplanting him as the starting running back in Arizona? Or is are the Cardinals just going to go with like, look, this is our guy. Ride or die with Kenyon Drake. How do you see this Cardinals running back uh, situation shaking out? I could not possibly love more that you are asking me this question. So let me, <laughs> let me put it to you this way. I am in 11 leagues this season, and I have Kenyon Drake in zero leagues, and I have Chase Edmonds in seven leagues. <laughs> so I have a very, very strong point of view on this. I, I think until the second half of last season – when Kenyon Drake was traded from Miami to Arizona and frankly lucked into a full-time three down back opportunity after the injuries to David Johnson and Chase Edmonds, Kenyon Drake had never been a featured back, not even at Alabama. I mean, here's a guy that he rushed for less than 1500 yards total in four years at Alabama. And this is not a red shirt. He played four years. He was banged up the one year, but he played four years and rushed for less than 1500 yards total. His biggest year was under 700. 
He caught 46 passes total in four years at Alabama. So, you know, this is a guy, uh, even in the pros, he ran for 700 yards or more only one time. That was last year. He has caught 50 passes each of the last two years. So I'm not saying this is an untalented guy. I mean, he's quick. Uh, he, he has good uh, inline speed. He can catch the ball. His production per play is good. He's a good player, but he's just not a bell cow running back. He never has been. And I kind of bolster all that by looking at his physical build. Uh, for me, that's something for running backs I do tend to look at. He, Unless we're talking about a physical freak like a Saquon Barkley or an Adrian Peterson or a Derrick Henry, I generally prefer the shorter, sturdier running backs that have the low center of gravity. You know, those guys like a 5'9", 5'10", 215, 220, sort of a, an Emmett Smith kind of a build or Barry Sanders kind of a build. Kenyon Drake is 6'1", 210. He's tall and slender. Guys like him tend to run upright and get beat up. And and good example was this week, in fact. He he took a beating and he got the wind knocked out of him and had the chest injury. So, so you know, unless you're looking back in history and finding a guy like a Marcus Allen or O.J. Simpson, you know, with that kind of a build, a tall, slender build, these kinds of running backs just have not been that successful. So I, I got to tell you, Balky, I love the most recent news that Kenyon Drake is cleared of injury concerns and he's good to go because that's going to lower the acquisition costs of Chase Edmonds in the few leagues where I don't have him and he's available. So could I feel more strongly about this? No. <laughs> he really couldn't. This is this well, and you made a, a good case of why you stayed away from him in drafts. And and when you're staying away from the the starter, obviously, uh, if you don't like him, you're going to target the backup, which is exactly what you did, and, and you're going to be doing it again on, on the waiver wire this week too in getting Edmonds uh, on your squad. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, that's actually a great point. And it's kind of how I do think about this is I, I, I tend to kind of look at sort of the top tier of backs and say, all right, which ones of these do I not like? Or which ones of these have sort of a clear handcuff? And I do in the middle and later rounds tend to target those guys. I mean, I do love Chase Edmonds. He has all the measurables in terms of the size I talked about. He's 5'9", 210. He's fast. He's quick. He can catch the ball. And he, the dude had monstrous college production. To me, he is sort of a prototypical three-down back if he gets the opportunity. So I, I got to say, I, I think he should and will get the chance to supplant Drake, and I think he's a potential league winner uh, for, for people that have him. Yeah, definitely, uh, for sure. I, I, you know, it's one of those uh, fear of missing out things with Drake. I think I got him in two leagues this year. Obviously, I've been disappointed, but I do have a lot more Edmonds than I do Drake just because of the acquisition cost, too, and, and, and draft capital I had to invest to, to get into Edmonds. So I'm looking forward uh, to that as well. Cleveland had a, a big-time injury this week in their backfield. Nick Chubb is going to, to – well, he's placed on IR. You know he's going to miss at least three weeks. They're talking about maybe as much as six. We'll see what happens there. Kareem Hunt is going to be starting for fantasy owners. You're not listening to this podcast to, to get that information. But besides Hunt, maybe a guy behind him, maybe a guy at a different position, which Brown do you think stands the most uh, to benefit with Chubb not playing? Yeah, I look at this a couple different ways. I think, you know, the obvious other beneficiary is, of course, Dearness Johnson. And that's if you assume that Kareem Hunt just kind of slides into the Nick Chubb role and then Dearness Johnson assumes the wingman role that, that, that Kareem had. I'm not sure I would assume that, though. Um, Kareem Hunt isn't quite the banger that Chubb is. Um, so I actually could see Kevin Stefanski moving away from the running game a little bit, starting to air it out a little bit more going forward. And I think obviously, you know, that would help guys, of course, like Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, especially. So for me, I could see a shift in philosophy as much as I could just see sort of next man up as far as the running back position goes. 
Yeah, I and 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 I and I think that we you do need to look at it a, a little bit deeper, like you were saying too, and not just assume that it's you know going to be the Hunt and Johnson show um, for what. Yeah, that sounded weird when it came out of my mouth, but um, <laughs> that, that's going to be that's going to be a, a situation to watch uh, in Cleveland, um, and uh, you know beyond just beyond Kareem Hunt uh, for sure. OJ Howard had an Achilles injury, Bob, uh, on Sunday. He's expected to miss the rest of the season. Does this change, and and how much does this change your outlook on both Cameron Brait and Rob Gronkowski now catching passes as the bona fide top two uh, uh, tight ends in that Buccaneers offense? Yeah, I think similar to the last question, I look at this a couple of different ways. If, if you look at how the tight end target share in Tampa has played out so far, I, I just kind of took a look at this. O.J. Howard has played only 132 snaps, but he had 19 targets. Gronk had played 224 snaps, but he had only 14 targets. So, you know, based on that, Gronk was being used as an inline blocker, uh, especially in their two tight end settings in the 12 personnel formation. Uh, which, by the way, I, I did look this up. Tampa Bay has run that 28% of the time, that two tight end, 12 formation, and that's fourth in the NFL. Uh, so what was they were doing was they were putting in Gronk as the blocker and Howard was the receiver. And, you know, those of us that have had Gronk over the years, I think we're surprised by the fact that the guy was just standing in there blocking, but that is what was happening. So I guess going forward, I could again see a little bit of a shift here in philosophy in that I could see Gronk maybe getting a few more targets from time to time when he's the only tight end on the field. And I could also see Brait sliding in as at least a partial share of the Howard role when they do go to the two tight ends, the one running back and the 12 personnel. But I think I could also see Tampa Bay using more one tight end, one running back or 11 personnel. So far, they're only 20th in the league with that formation, 58% of the time. But if they shift more towards that, and away from the 12, I think you're going to see some more production out of Scotty Miller playing that Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, you know, uh, quick little uh, slot guy for Tom Brady. Bob, when you look at your your teams that you've drafted this year, who did you end up targeting, or if anybody, uh, on that Tampa offense? Because there are so many playmakers there. Obviously, Evans and Godwin were coming off the monster seasons. They add Gronkowski. They extend Bray. They still had O.J. Howard, their first-round pick. Uh, Ronald Jones, who I know a lot of people expected a lot of things out of. And then uh, Leonard Fournette, they had uh, two off uh, waivers. They're in free agency from Jacksonville. Did you end up with with a lot of bucks or any bucks on your team? Who did you like best going in uh, during draft season? Yeah, so it's interesting. That one I punted a little bit because I just wasn't sure about the tight end situation because I did have an inkling that, you know, they might spread that around. The wide receivers, um, you know, Brady in his career has not been an outside receiver kind of guy. And so I, I didn't love Evans, particularly at his acquisition cost. Godwin had played a lot of slot in the past, so I kind of liked him, but I, I just wasn't able to get my hands on him either. I, I went again going to the same well. Oh, and uh, the running backs, I just didn't know how that was going to play out late when they picked up Fournette. I was thinking, geez, I don't know if it's going to be Jones. I don't know if it's going to be Fournette. Um, so I sort of punted on all those guys, and I went for the lowest acquisition cost. And again, I'm going to go back to this well, Scotty Miller. I just kind of thought, you know, Brady does like to pepper the slot, and he did make uh, stars out of guys like Welker and Edelman that, you know, really those guys were afterthoughts. You know, they, they were not highly sought after coming out of school. So 
So I thought Miller would work well in that role. I read a couple articles that he was looking like those guys in terms of being quick and fast and dominating the the, the slot corners in practice. So I got a lot of Scotty Miller at the very tail end of even the FFBC drafts. I, I picked him up in the 16th, 17th, 18th rounds of a lot of drafts. When you um, we we talked about Kenyon Drake earlier, Bob, uh, with with you really, you know, essentially we're only four weeks in, but it looks like you nailed it in in not drafting him anywhere. Um, who else did you get most right this year, as far as players you stayed away from, as as far as players you targeted to to get a lot of shares of, um, and then uh, a, a player that you were let's say most wrong on, a player that you missed out on that's been crushing it, or a player that you drafted a, a bunch that that just has not been getting it done. Yeah, so so one of the easy answers until last night was Calvin Ridley. Um, I, <laughs> Calvin Ridley, I follow a little bit of a template in some ways in, in thinking about this. Calvin Ridley was someone that I absolutely loved. Um, he was his acquisition cost was fairly low, you know, third round, fourth round, and I saw him as surpassing Julio Jones this year as the number one target. And Julio Jones was going a full two, sometimes even three rounds earlier. Um, you know, then was Calvin Ridley. So, so that one was one that I really felt smart about. And then last night he puts up a goose egg. So unfortunately that hurt, but, but um, along those lines, um, uh, another one was Dallas Goddard uh, with the Eagles. And again, for the first two weeks, I felt really good about that because he was significantly outproducing Ertz at a much, much cheaper acquisition cost. And, 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 and if you go back several years, you and I actually had a conversation about this, I think five years ago, and I, I kind of talked about the same thing where I like to look for sort of the second weapon that you get for a lot cheaper that is about ready to usurp the person that is perceived to be the, the first weapon. So, um, so that was a couple of examples. Another good example was Aaron Jones. And the reason I'm picking on uh, this one is I drafted him uh, instead of guys like Kenyon Drake over and over and over. They were very, very similar acquisition costs. And I just felt that Aaron Jones had a better opportunity to sort of keep the job. I did think the Green Bay offense would bounce back some. Uh, so, so he's another one. Um, and then lastly, I would go Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen as far as guys that I think I got right. Obviously, they used to be teammates, but I thought with Diggs leaving for Buffalo, I thought first he would be Josh Allen's main man as the number one target, which has been true so far. And I thought that some of those targets that he used to have in Minnesota would go to Thielen. So I, I think that um, that also uh, w- was someone uh, that I was targeting and right about. And then we'll see as far as Chase Edmonds to the point you just made. Um, I think I'm going to be right on that, but that one's looking forward. Last one that I'll mention on that side of things in terms of being right is Mike Davis from Carolina. And again, this is that same theory as if I don't like the number one guy, I'll go with the number two guy. And now don't get me wrong. It's not that I didn't like Christian McCaffrey, but there's a lot of uh, articles out there over the last several years talking about how much mileage running backs get put on them and their decline in performance the, the following year. There was one that used to be called the rule of 370, that if they got 370 touches, the, the, the performance would decline significantly. I heeded that and I picked up Mike Davis late in a lot of leagues as well. Um, as far as I, where I was most wrong, I really, really hate to say this as an Eagles fan, but one <laughs> to be Carson Wentz. Um, I've always been a guy that waits on QBs. So I usually end up with at least one or maybe two of the consensus 10th through 15th ranked guys. And this year it turns out that I have a lot of shares of Carson Wentz and he is killing me so far. Um, and then another one that hurts is Saquon Barkley. Uh, because of the feelings I just referenced about McCaffrey, 
I actually went against the consensus fairly boldly, and I took Saquon Barkley first ahead of McCaffrey in three different leagues. So that one hurts a lot. I, okay, so a, a couple of things I want to mention here. Number one, I'm gonna I'm gonna call on your Eagles fandom here. What what's going on with that offense right now? Is it just simply just so many injuries to deal with, and they just can't get on the same page with chemistry? Because it seems like you know whether it's Rager or Jackson, it was Sanders at the start of the season. Uh, it, it's it's Goddard now. Um, Alshon Jeffrey still trying to get back. What what's the reason uh, that that this offense has really been foundering so far? It's so many different things. And, you know, it's I think I might suffer from paralysis by overanalysis being here in the cauldron in the Philadelphia suburbs. Um, I, I think it is all of those things. I, I, I think to some degree, the fact that um, their offensive line is also banged up as a problem. I think that their system right now may be a little bit of an issue in the sense that they've had some uh, some changes in the coaching staff as well. And Coach Peterson, who actually happens to be a neighbor of mine, but but Coach Peterson is wearing a lot of hats right now. So he's obviously the head coach, great leader, all of that, but he's also calling the plays, and that offensive coaching staff has turned over. Um, they had, when they won the Super Bowl, Frank Reich was their offensive coordinator, and he's right now the, the sort of the prevailing sentiment here is that he should get a lot of credit uh, for how good the offense was then. Uh, and Filippo was the quarterback coach. They're both gone, and the Eagles have suffered on offense since. So I think part of it is is systemic as far as the, the system itself, and I think some of it is the injuries. I think some of it is the continuity in the offensive line. And the last thing, and this is not an excuse for just the Eagles, this is for everybody, but I think the fact that they couldn't get together and have normal OTAs and normal camp was a problem for them in particular, more than others perhaps, because they were trying to integrate a number of new pieces, particularly in the receiving core. Um, so I think it's a, a number of things. I don't know if they're going to write the ship. Well, the, the great thing about it is next time you and uh, Doug Peterson have a, a neighborhood backyard barbecue, you can pick his brain and figure out you know what's going to go on with this team the rest of the season. <laughs> and then be sure to let me know so I know what to do with my Eagles. Um, the one other guy that, uh, just real quick before we move on, because I, I, I do want to talk about uh, the, the Rams running backs, but the one other guy you mentioned was Calvin Ridley. You obviously nailed him this year. He gets the, the, the really, really bad game last night. You're not worried, right? This is not a panic type thing. This is just a weird one-off game where it just didn't happen for him, right? I think that's right. I, and, and and Julio is 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 even more banged up as we go forward. So I, I hate to say this because I am a Julio fan, but he's starting to feel a little bit like an A.J. Green where the next few years could be tough for him. So, so I think that opportunity is there for Ridley. Now, the downside, if Julio is uh, out, is that now Ridley doesn't benefit from uh, the the second corner across from him or from not getting double covered. So it'd be interesting to see him fight through that. But I do think Ridley will be fine. The guy's got a great pedigree. He's, he's a great receiver. It's a high-volume passing game. So, yeah, I agree. I'm not worried about him. Um, sorry, I mentioned this, the Rams running backs. Uh, Sean McVay says he expects Cam Akers back this week. Um, how do you handle this now? Uh, because Daryl Henderson's look good. Malcolm Brown had that one good game. Cam Akers, obviously the second round pick this year. You know that they like him a lot. Is it sit uh, all of them uh, going forward until somebody steps up or until you know somebody falls off with with an injury? How do you how are you treating that? Yeah, I mean, I kind of think it is sit all of them. What a mess! I, they, they all have some talent, uh, and Sean McVay's system consistently generates good running back production. 
So I could see a situation where it's kind of a ride the hot hand from game to taint game deal. And it, then, it, you know, if that's the case and you start the run, the wrong running back, you're in trouble. So personally, I agree with what you said. I would, I would stay away until something shakes out and something changes where, you know, it becomes a situation where they can ride one guy like they used to do with Gurley. Kirk Cousins hasn't exactly looked great this season. Um, neither do the Vikings, quite frankly. Can you, when, when you look at Justin Jefferson on this team, can you make a good case for him, though, being a top 30 wideout the rest of the way in the FFPC? Mm, I don't know about top 30. I, I do think he's a legitimate talent. But as I said earlier, I do like Thielen. And Dalvin Cook also eats up some targets uh, in the passing game. So I just don't know if there will be enough volume for him to get to top 30, but I could certainly sell him as a fringe wide receiver three or flex. So, you know, perhaps top 40, I think top 30 might be pushing it. How close is uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, the rookie running back for Washington, to to being a top 20 running back uh, for the remainder of this season? A guy that a lot of people drafted him as a top 20 running back. Uh, when it got, you know, got very close to the uh, to the end of drafting season. Um, is Gibson for real? Is he for real the rest of the way? See, this is one that uh, the fantasy expert community, this that we're all over this guy. Um, and I know he was the next big thing, but but this is one that I went the other way. I wasn't buying into him in drafts. I thought the acquisition cost became insanely too high, in my opinion. He doesn't have the pedigree or the college production. It's Rather unusual for a running back to come into the league without some college pedigree and set the league on fire. Um, Terrell Davis, I guess, didn't do much at Georgia, but um, that's a rare example. He hasn't even been a full-time running back very long. He was a gadget guy at Memphis. So if you watch him play, and and I did in the first game against the Eagles, he's got talent. He's, He's big and he's fast and all of that. He's quick. But he doesn't have great running back instincts. I I think he doesn't, you know, at this point still understand how to use his blockers and and, and hit the hole the right way. So I I personally am am not uh, buying into this just yet. And uh, I certainly could be proven wrong because the guy's got oodles of talent. Yeah, Antonio Gibson does. We'll see what happens. You know, the thing is, if if he finishes off this year uh, super high uh, and and, uh, helps people win titles at the end, we could be watching a massive jump in ADP uh, in, in 2021 drafts as well. Uh, so Antonio Gibson, certainly a guy to be paying attention to. Um, so uh, I know I say this every week, but just to let the listeners behind the curtain, Bob and I are recording this on Tuesday. Um, and it's obviously Thursday now that, that, that this show was released. Um, so we're going to talk about who you are targeting on the waiver wire this week to, to, to try to get uh, in your FFPC high stakes leagues. Not necessarily, we won't know who you got yet, but who are the guys that you're looking at adding right now? Yeah. So I, I'm going to sound like I'm this guy's agent, um, but I swear that I'm not. But number one is if in the few leagues, he may be out there, Chase Edmonds. Um, I, 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 again, I'll say it league winner. Um, another one's Justin Jackson. We talked about him earlier just as, you know, sort of the potential wingman opportunity there with the Chargers. And he could potentially um, uh, replace uh, uh, Kelly as the run as the top running back there. Uh, Dearness Johnson, I think Dearness Johnson is going to get in a high volume offense and Cleveland's run the ball a lot so far. I think he's going to get some opportunity. So I think he got to have him, particularly if Kareem Hunt goes down. So I think he's a good handcuff at this point. Uh, I referenced earlier Scotty Miller. He is out there in a few leagues. 
Um, in fact, both of the other two wide receivers are a little banged up. And with Howard going down, I just think Miller's just going to be on the field more. And I think with Brady sort of peppering the middle of the field like he always does, I think Miller could could provide some value going forward as at least a flex, if not a wide receiver three. Um, and then I think there are a couple lottery tickets out there. And these are guys that you could get for a dollar um, if, if you're so inclined. You know, if your roster has been decimated and you've got several open spots, why not throw a dollar on a guy like Lamar Miller or Isaiah Crowell or Spencer Ware or even like a Jeremy Hill Guys that, you know, have done it before in the league are not currently on rosters. But with the way these running backs have been going down, I think there might be an opportunity for for one of those guys to latch on somewhere and perform. Uh, Bob, it is, uh, it's always a pleasure talking fantasy with you. Very analytical mind that I always like to pick um, as far as uh, using uh, the information you give me on my own fantasy teams. Hopefully that's what the yeah. listeners are doing as well. It's uh, more right uh, than it is wrong. So thank you so much for that. Before I let you go, one last question. Um, a sleeper that needs to be in high stakes liners for this week, which is great because now you can't answer Chase Edmonds to this question because I know you're not starting him yet unless Drake is missing. And then I guess uh, obviously Edmonds would be the start. But anyway, um, <laughs> a, a sleeper that needs to be in lineups for week five, as well as a guy that you think is, is probably going to be uh, busting, disappointing this weekend. And I will allow you to say Kenyon Drake to that answer if you'd so <laughs> um, I, I think just a couple quick ones. Um, I, I, I referenced Scotty Miller a couple times already, but I do like him this week. I do think they're going to go to more three wide receivers. They're playing on Thursday night against the Bears, so it's always fun to have someone in the Thursday night game, you know, before the whole weekend gets kicked off. So I like that one. I like Russell Gage, too. Uh, Atlanta has been playing a lot of three wide receivers. Julio is banged up. I think, you know, Atlanta's defense has not been very good at all, so they're going to need to throw the ball. So I like Russell Gage a lot this week, and especially if Julio is out. Uh, you laugh about Chase Edmonds, but but I, I actually think he could be flex-worthy this week. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> as far as busts, um, uh, yeah, I mean, we joke, but I, I guess I would have to put Drake on the list if I'm saying that. Another one that's interesting here is Terry McLaurin. Now, I love Terry McLaurin. I, I think the guy's a great receiver. I think he is held back by having a weaker quarterback. Um, but I still would consider him a bust because I think he's sort of seen as a top 15-ish receiver this week. But he draws Drake Jalen Ramsey this week. And there aren't a lot of other weapons in Washington to sort of you know take the attention away uh, from McLaurin. So I would probably stay away from McLaurin this week. And I think another one, kind of a, one of the things we talked about earlier – I'd stay away from Gronk. I, I think there's probably going to be a perception this week that, you know, he, he's going to have more opportunity with Howard out. Uh, and again, sort of the Thursday night bias, people might want to put Gronk into their lineups. But but I wouldn't play him this week either because I really just don't think it's going to change for him very much there. Um, you know, <clears throat> one other thing I, I, I should mention here. Uh, first of all, I – I am. This is not an anti-Cardinals podcast by, by any stretch of the imagination, but I think you do raise some really good points uh, with Edmonds and with um, and with Drake, not only for Week Five but for going forward the rest of the way. The last thing I, I wanted to just because I know you you talked about liking Russell Gage, you saw Olamide uh, Zacchaeus uh, catch you know whatever it was eight nine balls on Monday Night Football this week. If Jones is out. Does Zacchaeus make it in as, as a flex play in week five, given how um, Matt Ryan's been able to spread the ball around to his top three receivers? Yeah, uh, it's a great, uh, great point. Um, and uh, I, I do think so. Uh, and like I said earlier, high volume, uh, partly out of need because their defense hasn't been good and they get into a lot of shootouts. 
so I could definitely see Zacchaeus as uh, as a play this week. Bob, you are a gentleman and a scholar. I uh, You were a play every week uh, for me on this program and as far as my fantasy lineups go. I certainly appreciate you taking some time uh, to hang out, talk a little shop with me here. Good luck in week five. Good luck the rest of the way and all your teams, man. Yeah, thank you so much, Balky. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity, and hopefully I'll get to see you out in Vegas uh, next year. You know it, man, for sure. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.